Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. have a show for you today no games this week or at least real games more on that in a little bit we will have super bowl preview stuff for next week's show too so today we're dipping into some of the hottest headlines in football including tom brady aaron Rodgers, kevin o'connell brian dayball the senior bowl the pro bowl and yes the Washington Commanders is a jam-packed show once again here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network alongside the cordial Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. We're basically splitting the show in two parts. Today we have what we like to call our Fantasy Four, then our Grab Bag for headlines and how it may impact fantasy football, followed by stories we can try to relate back to fantasy football we may have a tougher time doing so but i think we'll be talking about some real fun things today before we get into our fantasy ish topics cold my man where the hell are you i'm in mobile alabama kind of new territory quite different from phoenix arizona so i'm kind of out of my element here but mostly i'm just happy to be in an apartment dry today because we got poured on absolutely torrential downpour at the senior <laughs> bowl yesterday uh thoroughly soaked i, I just I, I don't think those clothes those clothes will be drying for like three more days i feel like so mm. just happy to be inside and warm and cozy um you know had a had a hot mug of tea earlier so you know you can't you can't ask for more than that yeah, see, you call it torrential downpours. Us Floridians call that a normal Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't get rain in Arizona. So, I mean, that was that was just kind of a shock. I didn't bring a raincoat. I, I was totally unprepared. I had, a, I had a hoodie and a vest on. So you and you were getting rained on with all that. Oh, yeah. Like it was drizzling <laughs> for about 80 percent of practice. There was like a, a period where the players were just doing special teams where there wasn't any rain, which was kind of unfortunate because Dang. special teams is admittedly the least exciting of the event. Um, excuse me. I'm going to have to pause you right there. <laughs> Throw some respect on the special teamers, man. God damn cool. Damn. Well, we'll have more insight from uh, what you've seen from the senior bowl toward the end of the show. So, but we can start because last week, we even said it on the show. We just did not talk about Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers because we were too busy previewing the conference championships. And we talked about what we would like to see, what we think will happen. And here we are. It's Bengals Rams in the Super Bowl. But that's for next week's show. Because right now, today, Tom Brady no longer in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, who knows if he'll be a Green Bay Packer. We've got some more head coaching hirings. And we're going to try to tie it all together and see how it could impact not just the NFL world in a sense, but also those of you who play fantasy football. So let's start with, of course, the big news, officially retired Tom Brady. I I'd imagine he would make the hall of fame. And really, I guess the big question is what will this Tampa Bay offense at least try to look like without one of the greatest players of all time at the helm? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, Tom Brady, what a, a historic career and a lot of, you know, good things from everyone to say across the league, wishing him well and in retirement. And of course, Adam Schefter clapping back at, at all the trolls on, on Twitter. That was, <laughs> that was just a, a great saga while it lasted. It's, it's interesting because Tampa could totally blow up this offense. Who knows what will happen with Godwin expected to test the waters in free agency. And of course, you've, you've still got Mike Evans on that contract. And obviously Evans has been a consistent contributor since he was selected by Tampa Bay, but without just a concrete signal caller, I mean, Tampa Bay could just decide to completely rework this offense and just send everyone, you know, out the door, maybe find people in the, in the draft that can, that can stack up similarly to the playmakers that they have currently. But yeah, I mean, I think we could see a, an entirely different Tampa Bay offense now that now that Brady is gone, and especially with whoever they bring at, in at, at signal color, they might try and replicate what they have been in, you know, in, in previous seasons. Yeah, that really is the big question. Who's going to be throwing who the ball? I think we get a safe bet that Gronk will not return because he has said mm -hmm. he just wants to play with Brady. And then Godwin's a free agent, leaves really Mike Evans. And we we've really seen Evans ball with shaky quarterback play before too so i'm not like too concerned about how poorly he could play i think he'll still be fine whether it's kyle trask or Jameis winston reunion but mm -hmm. coming kind of back to the quarterback situation where do they go next do they say hey blaine gabbert's the guy do they finally make kyle trask active for a game they try and go swing for the fences with an Aaron Rodgers or maybe go trade for a Jimmy Garoppolo like what to you seems like the next best solution for Bruce Arians and his staff I think Garoppolo the the Bucks would be a great suitor for for Garoppolo I mean obviously mm -hmm. I, I think he was once seen as as the potential heir to Tom Brady in New <laughs> England and he could be a potential heir in, in Tampa Bay so I think Garoppolo, you know, he does a lot of the same stuff Brady does well. Um, you know, maybe not lacking in in arm strength and decision decision making, um, not to the same caliber as as Brady is. But I think, you know, with Evans in the offense and hopefully they invest in some playmakers and free agency and in the draft, like he could be a, a a vessel in the same way Brady was, you know, in in that offense. So I mean, obviously Scotty Miller is, is still there too. Um, so you got a d dependable target. Um, that could that could function opposite Evans as well. Yeah, I just think the offense is going to look look really different in terms of what the the playmakers that they have there, um, and it, it really is going to depend on on the signal caller and the offense to mm -hmm. determine how the rest of it plays out. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, Jimmy G having the possibility of finally being the heir to Tom Brady after all these years. It'll come full circle, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the circle of life, especially down in Tampa Bay. If they were to get Jimmy G and oh my goodness, that, that would be, that would be hilarious to see Bill Belichick finally get what he wanted just for the uh, wrong team. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, you know, a possibility that I'm constantly berated with in my comment section in TikTok is that maybe the Bucks go after Aaron Rodgers. So let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. What a shock. What a segue. Rodgers, is he going to be a Packer next season? What's the feel here? What's the buzz in Mobile about what the hell Rodgers could be doing this offseason? 
honestly haven't discussed it too much with you know the people in Mobile, but honestly, I think Rodgers will go wherever he wants to go. I think he really controls his destiny in testing free agency for for the first time. And I and I say free agency because I think it is a given that he's not going to return to the Packers. You and I both were pretty confident, you know, at the start of the playoffs that it was Super Bowl or bust for Rodgers and the Pack this season, and they fell for fell way short of those expectations um, with that loss to to the 49ers. So, I think I think Rodgers in Denver is is a really good fit. I think his fit in Tampa Bay would be would be nice. Um, obviously Mike Evans and Adams are two different receivers, but it's, it's more of a fantasy than I think mm-hmm. would be a reality. Yeah, I completely agree. Like it, obviously Rogers could demand a trade to whatever team he wants, but you have to also think green Bay is going to try to push him out of the conference at least. And, and I see a lot of people saying, well, why would Rogers want to go to the AFC West where he has to compete with Herbert and Herbert and Mahomes or even just the AFC in general where they have Burrow and Josh Allen and to me it's like well Rogers isn't just looking at what's on the field he wants he wants stability he wants structure of course he wants to win and feels like he can win but a big reason he's been upset in Green Bay is because he's felt like the front office has really spurned him like he has not been treated like he feels he should be treated and arguably He should be treated like one of the best players in football, looking at the on-field production, hearing about all these rumors like within Green Bay and like the potential drama between Rodgers and like the higher ups and maybe even the rest of the coaching staff. Who knows? It's kind of, it's kind of, it's clear that there's more to it than just, is this team good on their offensive line? Do they not have a second receiver? So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rodgers. Of course, if he leaves that, opens up the door for potentially Jordan Love, and then that entire offense can change like that. I snapped. I don't know if the mic picked it up, but I'm going to snap again. (laughs) There's a a more clear snap, hopefully. So what could happen to this Green Bay offense and Devontae Adams if he stays, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, maybe even Robert Tunyon? What what happens to this offense from a fantasy standpoint if Rodgers books it elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I think if Rodgers books it elsewhere, I have a hard time believing Devontae Adams would be all that keen to stay in Green Bay <laughs> just because of the relationship that that those two have. And I think, you know, if Derek Carr stays in Las Vegas, then that is a really attractive destination for, for Adams. I mean, having played at Fresno State together and um, Derek Carr has said he'd love to throw to Adams again. I mean, who, who wouldn't, right? And so I, th- I think that offense has the potential to get blown up as well. And you know, maybe you see Lazard emerge as, as the wide receiver, as the new Ugh. wide receiver one for, for Jordan Love. And yeah, I mean, the, Green Bay could also invest in, in you know, some some potential draft prospects. And I think one one prospect at the Senior Bowl would would catch their eye as well. Oh, maybe a little uh, little teaser for what we're going to talk about. I won't drop it just yet. Yeah. Oh, that was such a cool. You like gave like a half wink when you said that. It looked super, super cool. So now I'm even more excited about that. Kind of going back to Green Bay, though, something else to think about. I don't think anyone really knows whether Jordan Love is the guy or not. And that's totally fine because at this stage in his career, we really shouldn't be, at least in terms of his situation. But if he's not the guy... Then you have to look at Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon 
and say, mm-hmm. well, how will their workload also be impacted? It seems like the writing's on the wall that A.J. Dillon is going to continue to eat into Aaron Jones's snap share. Dillon dominated the goal line in Green Bay. He was their primary back inside the 20, inside the 10. Didn't get receiving work like Jones, but I would not be surprised if next season they're really used more like a 1A, 1B type, especially with Jones still on this big contract and Dillon going to be on his rookie deal still so a little more moving parts there in the green bay offense i don't know if you have any more thoughts on what that situation could look like mostly i just wanted to back up what you said earlier it kind of seems like rogers he was upset that his relationship with the front office was fractured and i think that's that's super important for a quarterback to know about all the internal affairs in the team that's what the Patriots were so good about in including Brady and and picking his brain on how he wanted the offense to look and certainly Bruce Arians he didn't want Antonio Brown on the team for a long time but Brady really stuck his neck out for for Antonio Brown during that during that Super Bowl run said you know I I played with this I wanted to play with this guy in New England and I want to play with him in Tampa Bay and of course you know Antonio Brown was the leading receiver in the in the Super Bowl so it, it just, it, once again, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Jo- Allen wanted Diggs on the Buffalo roster, and the second he got to Buffalo, those two, you know, were, were throwing routes together, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think quarterback front office relationship is something that gets often overlooked until it becomes this catastrophe that we're seeing with the Packers and, and Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Assuming that it does end up boiling over in Rodgers leaving, which would be arguably the biggest mistake Green Bay has ever made. And they've made quite a few public ones, at least in hindsight. So we'll obviously be continuing to talk about what happens with Rodgers and Green Bay and the fantasy impact. And if Devontae Adams even leaves, maybe he's franchise tag. I think that's what Green Bay would want. So we'll see what happens regardless. Elsewhere in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings, as of this recording, have not officially named a head mm-hmm. coach, but that also may not be able to happen until after the Super Bowl because it seems like they will make Kevin O'Connell their next head coach. He's the offensive coordinator of the Rams, so technically he can't sign a deal with Minnesota. In my notes, I had Jim Harbaugh for a couple days here, but then he said, nope, going back to Michigan, yeah. opening up the hey, door You want to talk about that too? Because like – that whole situation just seemed weird. Like Harbo, you know, obviously coming off oh, yeah. a very impressive campaign at Michigan, finally gets, you know, traction in the league. I think the Raiders were, were eyeing him as a potential option. Minnesota comes late in the game. And he kind of just like struts into, into Minnesota thinking that, like, I'm the guy for the job. And, you know, let's, let's kickstart phase two of my NFL career. And that just wasn't the case. He just kind of had this, this hubris that – Okay, finally, turning it around, and I'm ready to, to, you know, do this radio again. Minnesota was kind of like, you're not, and I don't like that that kind of arrogance for our football program. You got a little, a little zoomified there on the oh, end no. of the Harbaugh, but. All right, tell me if I'm wrong. The general gist of that was like Harbaugh went in, puffing his chest, was basically yep. show the door. Now he's got to suck it up with the people around him who he almost spurned was that the basic gist of it yeah and it, it's kind of surprising because Michigan is kind of welcoming welcoming him back in open arms but you got to think Michigan was a little bit miffed at, oh, yeah. at how easily Harbaugh you know left 
mm-hmm. potentially, you know, potentially left for the NFL, right? I never bought into the idea that Harbaugh wanted the Minnesota job. I felt like if anything, he was using it as leverage to get Stephen Ross to hire him in Miami. But I think the career move for Harbaugh for drumming the NFL, I, that 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 stunt, whether it what he was legitimately interested in Minnesota or not, nothing suggesting that he wasn't. I think that was great for Harbaugh's potential NFL career, his second chance. Obviously, that really hurts his career in college football. How can you tell a recruit, hey, you should come play for us. I may not be here. Hell, I just flirted with someone else, but like you should totally come work for me and come play for me and whatever concept, whether it's a coach or a recruit. Like, how can you how can you preach that this is the place to be, even though I may not even be here soon? So like be, I I don't know. I think obviously some ramifications. It seems like he's destined to be the top coaching candidate next cycle with whatever teams may be needing to find a head coach clearly minnesota unless it's a steve wilkes type of season david coley type of season it looks like o'connell will be the guy and he has some connections with kirk cousins too not a huge connection because o'connell did work with kirk cousins in 2017 when he was kirk cousins quarterback coach in washington wasn't really one of cousins best seasons he was had the second worst interception percentage in his seven years as a full-time starter so not exactly the match made in heaven here but it does Mm -hmm. beg the question can he find the new kirk cousins that could hopefully get minnesota to the promised land yeah i mean and it's interesting when you look at this upcoming class of quarterback i think one guy kind of comparable to, to Kirk Cousins is, is Carson Strong, um, who does, I think he does a good job of doing good pre, you know, s- s- work pre-snap. Mm-hmm. Has a little bit of a stronger arm than, than Cousins, but both of them, you know, kind of do their do their research and, and their diligence. So, um, I mean, I don't know if that's like a comp out of, out of left field, but at least <laughs> from the two days I've been here in Mobile, um, you know, Strong has flashed at times in that aspect. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like, and I can't believe I'm about to say this because I'm not, I don't think Kellen Mond's the future, but it seems mm-hmm. like after spending a third, it was a late third round or early fourth round pick technically on Kellen Mond last year in the draft, Minnesota must be thinking, well, if we do that again this year, we go second, third round with a quarterback, we better be banking on some upside because Cousins may not have any left. So to me, it just seems like this whole timeline is shifting to, Kirk Cousins making this a make or break year in Minnesota. Now, what does that mean for Justin Jefferson? Probably nothing. Jefferson's a fantastic receiver. You could tell me that he would be the best receiver in football in two years, and I would totally believe you because that's how good he is. So I'm not expecting a dynasty stock change from him. Dalvin Cook, not really sure. Again, like the Rams run game right now is exceeding expectations. Their run blocking has been pretty darn good during the playoffs i think they need more credit for that obviously we don't know if that's more mcveigh more o'connell more the rest of the staff more anthony brown their running backs coach so i don't really see the offense or the players in this offense taking a step back with o'connell i think there's more potential to take a step forward but i'm not as of now over the moon about well kirk cousins is about to be the next top five fantasy quarterback although he was a top 10 quarterback and he probably should be again next season right where where do you stand on the potential this vikings offense can have with o'connell when he's announced as their head coach 
I think it can be really dynamic. I just think Cousins, once again, is the wild card. If you think about since Cousins joined the team and even the year before that with Case Keenum at the he- at the helm, um, you know, Thielen and, and Diggs was still there. They peaked in the NFC divisional rounds, which Cousins has yet to get back to in like during his time. And so you, you just kind of feel like Cousins is at his ceiling and it's not very high. It's not even to where Case Keenum was in this offense. So if they can compete in the NFC North, then good for them. But I, I just think Cousins doesn't really have what it takes to mm-hmm. take. I mean, he, and he still has dynamic playmakers, right? Justin Jefferson was a fantastic find in, in the first round that immediately paid dividends. And they haven't really improved in standing. Which is ironic. Sorry, which is ironic because if Rodgers does leave, that division looks wide open. So you may yeah. not even need uh, the uh, Kirk Cousins infused with Josh Allen to take you into the playoffs. I mean, you get obviously getting to the playoffs is one thing. You want to win a Super Bowl. I think we can both agree Kirk Cousins probably is not that guy. So now I believe with the Brian Dayball hiring in New York, that's official, by the way. As of this recording, the Saints don't have a head coach. The Jaguars don't have a head coach. I don't know if you saw like 30 minutes ago, but Byron Leftwich reportedly took his name out of consideration there. It looks like they're down to Rich Basaccia or Doug Peterson. Both hmm. honestly good candidates. I, yeah. I think Peterson's probably the number one choice in Jacksonville. So maybe we'll talk about that next week if that hiring's made. Uh, but I am curious because I know the Dolphins don't have their head coach. The Texans don't have their head coach. Dolphins looks like it's going to be Mike McDaniel or Kellen Moore. I think McDaniel has the upper hand. Uh, and then in Houston, Brian Flores is reportedly a, a big finalist. And then you have Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator from Philadelphia, as another one. Josh McCown, too, seemingly out of left field. So when all those kind of happen, we'll have a little more information to dissect and break it down all offseason next week, maybe a little bit during our Super Bowl show. But for right now, we know who the Giants head coach is. It's Brian Dayball. From Buffalo, what was your initial thoughts about that? I liked him. He was calling reporters out for being late in his press conference. (laughs) And he kind of has like that New York feistiness, you know, just shown from the the people that live in the state, in the the city. He, He seems to represent that city well and has what it takes to, you know, really tell the players what they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. and and fix them because of it because like this offense has playmakers and they they have people that can contribute and obviously unlocking daniel jones's potential is is key for that staff and it, it kind of seems like they're they're committed to him uh for this season they're not going to be looking for replacements and this really i said li- this last season was the make or break year but this is like the penultimate year now yeah. because Sure, like Kenny Galladay underperformed. Kadarius Tony was injured, didn't play to his potential. They need to get it right this season. And there's just so much talent. Daniel Jones, his ceiling has is still far from being reached. They they really need to just invest in and get this offense clicking. God, I can't, I cannot, I cannot. I say I cannot wait in a negative content in negative uh, connotation because you already know the Daniel Jones, Josh Allen comparisons parallels are going to be flying fast and furious this off season. Like 
Jones is going to be the next Josh Allen. Now they have Dayball. Like, no, mm-hmm. come on. Just in terms of career arc, you just are wildly inconsistent for your first three seasons and then just jump up. That With that said, I will probably have quite a few shares of Daniel Jones in best ball because like, why not <laughs> if he's cheap enough? Sure. Um, I do. It's interesting because I do have some questions about Dayball as an offensive coordinator. And again, this doesn't tell the whole story because numbers – don't show how he is in a locker room. He doesn't show how he is as a CEO type of coach, but he's been an offensive coordinator for eight years, the last four in Buffalo, but he was also the offensive coordinator in Cleveland from 2009 to 2010. He was in Miami for the season after. And then in 2012, he was with Kansas city, spent a few years at Alabama, but of those eight years as the head honcho for the offense, his eighth best off, he had the eighth best offense in 2019 in his second year in Buffalo. That jumped the second best offense in 2020. That was Josh Allen's big year. Then this year, seventh best offense in football. That's great. But prior to those three years of success on the offensive side of the ball for his teams, the best offense he's actually ever helmed as the OC was in year one of Buffalo when they were, according to profootballreference.com, the 22nd best offense. All of his other previous years, not cutting it, like bottom of the league, either dead last or close to it. So it just really begs the question, is this offense that we could see in New York going to be more reminiscent of what we saw in Buffalo or is it more wishful thinking? What's, what's the middle ground here? What can we expect to see realistically from the offense that is currently there in New York? I think it's uncharted territory, right? And I think you can, can, like you said earlier, you can really draw a lot of parallels to this offense and the, and the Buffalo offense. Obviously if Saquon Barkley doesn't get chopped, then that's a reliable safety blanket for Daniel Jones. And you can really, you know, get the most out of a premier back that you didn't have in Buffalo when, when it was predominantly a timeshare. Um, like I said, Kadarius Tony and, and Sterling Shepard. Um, I don't know if Evan Ingram is going to be back, but Kenny Galladay obviously has that massive extension. He's, he's locked in for the foreseeable future. That is a healthy variety of weapons that you can employ um, in like an offense in a, in a balanced offense. And I, especially Kadarius Tony, I, I tweeted like, Every offensive coordinator should be studying Kyle Shanahan's usage of Debo Samuel and either finding a playmaker that they can employ in that type of role. Um, not, not all the time because Debo is, is very exclusive to, special. yeah, it's especially exclusive, but at least in certain, in certain scenarios, like those end arounds and, and those reverses and just getting the ball in his hands as quickly as possible. That's where Kadiris Tony thrived in college and in a, in a couple of moments that we saw this season. And I think the potential of this offense is, is certainly, you know, what Dayball put together in, in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be, like I said, those comparisons automatically assuming this will be the Bills offense 2.0, you know, with Joe Shane as their GM and, and now Dayball as the head coach, maybe, maybe they do take some playbooks, uh, some plays from the Buffalo playbook, both literally and figuratively. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops there. I, I do like how you said they have a healthy, like pickings. I forget what else you said, but a healthy, use the word healthy to describe <laughs> the, 
the variety of players that they have there, mm-hmm. which is ironic because this is a unit that really hasn't oh, yeah. been able to Maybe that, was, that wasn't the worst or that wasn't the best <laughs> choice of words there. Um, You're right. If they, if they, they got yeah, the talent, often. stay on the field. Who knows, man, it could be something. I mean, I'm kind of rooting for the giants to really get back on track after what has been quite a stretch of mediocrity since uh, their Super Bowl appearances. So with that, We'll get to the grab bag section. We it can really we could try to spin it into fantasy. You know, we got some senior bowl stuff to talk about right now. Some pro bowl ideas. Can should they change it? What should they do? I then thoughts on the Washington Commanders and everything, and I mean everything that comes with that. So why don't we start with the senior bowl? You're there. Some notes, takeaways, things you, you've loved, you've hated players to watch, and maybe we could spin some fantasy about them. I already got a couple uh, guys I really want to bring up with you, so let, let's hear it. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a great experience so far. I've met so many new people, um, familiar faces I followed on Twitter for, for so long, so that's been super rewarding to have those conversations. But, yeah, I mean, let's get into the players. Obviously, wide receiver DBs is, is my cup of tea and mm-hmm. what I love to watch. And that I had a front row seat at, at Hancock Whitney Stadium. Christian Watson of okay. North Dakota, D- D- Dakota State University played with Trey Lance a year ago. Absolutely was put on blast. Like throughout three days of, of senior bowl practices, he's been unstoppable. He's an unmistakable figure at 6'4", towered over the rest of the national wide receiver group. So hard to miss. And then he quickly commanded like all the eyes in the stadium displaying like uncanny quickness off the line. He sunk into his cuts with ease and he shot away from defenders. Remember, this is a, this is a big dude. And in one-on-ones excelled in a variety of areas, um, distanced himself with uh, smooth route running, made catches away from his frame. And, and as a blocker too, he, he really relished in those duties, uh, recorded the fifth highest speed at practice one miles per hour so and obviously that success continued into into day two and then he had a strong showing in one-on-ones on day day three so christian watson definitely a dynasty stud that should be on your radar okay real quick because i do have a couple questions about him it 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 lagged a little bit you the stupid wi-fi in your hotel room but only for the part about how fast he ran so how fast did he run you said 20.71 miles per hour Jesus, my goodness, that's a, I'm a six four dude. I'm salivating six four. Uh, dang it, you know he's gonna get the DK Metcalf comps then. Oh my god, not every tall dude who runs fast is actually not even Metcalf wasn't even like known for his top end speed, but just an athlete. Um, but what do you? Is there a player comp you have? I don't want to make you force one on him, but like, have you heard or seen anyone compare him to other players or even like what? fits what teams he could excel on yeah i haven't thought about too much about fit but definitely he reminds me of chase claypool a little bit more fluid chase claypool i'd say okay nice i like that Uh, any buzz on what round where he could be taken like if if, if this has actually boosted his stock or he's just a, a combine warrior like we've seen from many players in years past i think he legitimately it's the receiver class is interesting because there's a bunch of top options clustered at the top. And then mm-hmm. I think there's a pretty steep drop off. And I think Watson could really push himself into day two. Uh, I think before the senior bowl, he was seen as more of a day three target. 
I think he's firmly in the in the day two conversation and even maybe pushing towards that middle of the second round. Okay, another another name to keep an eye on. Uh, speaking of another name to keep an eye on, any other players that really caught your eye and like how it could help out those beloved fantasy football players? Yeah, the, the player I was most excited to watch uh, at the Senior Bowl in terms of offense was Calvin Austin the third oh, of Memphis yeah. wide receiver. And it was kind of disappointing because on in weigh-ins and measurements, he actually measured in two inches than was expected. He's 5'7", not 5'9", as, as uh, you know, previously mentioned on Memphis's website. So, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of college football, you know, fudging there, but it, it happens. And that's why there's, you know, these events that, that actually clarify people's height and weight. So once again, Austin was never going to be like that type of guy to impress you with his, with his size. It's more his speed, those top end jets. And he really tested the American team's cornerback talent, which has names like Roger McCreary, Darian Kendrick, Mario Goodrich, people that earned, you know, all conference honors this past season. And Austin, he's one of the fastest players in the draft. He's a lightning bolt off the line. And he really cooked those overeager cornerbacks attempting to squash him in press coverage. His release package is, is pretty insane. He's, he's super quick and he avoided those jabs and strikes that they, they tried to control him with. So, I mean, he flashed by his opponents and generated large gaps of separation. Uh, he, and he was a really consistent vertical threat all day. Mm. Um, so I, I really like the way he just plummets his hips as he, as he breaks and, once again, he's going to be deployed situationally almost exclusively in the slot. And he is a smaller target with a pretty puny catch radius, <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of room for creativity for an offense wanting Austin's talents. I don't think I've ever heard someone describe a player's catch radius as puny before much. It, it really is quite, quite small. Like you'll see him extend for catches and he, he is really like has to his body and, and, and reach for those. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like when used in the right system, he can be a game breaker, not like a Tyreek Hill, but like in the same sense, like, hey, just get him the ball and he will make the play happen. You know, obviously size will be an impediment, but he don't doesn't have to be used like as a bigger receiver. He's five, seven. I mean, that's way smaller than me. I don't know how, how tall are you? <laughs> I am just a buck under 510, unfortunately. Oh, hey, you like you see, you still got inches on him. Um, obviously, though, we've seen smaller players have find success. Is he gonna get the Jakeem Grant comparisons? Probably. Should he? I would hope not. My goodness, I mean, everything I've seen from Austin from the senior bowl and during the season is he can be so much more than what Jakeem Grant has been. So let's hopefully not fall into the trap of just comparing players based on size alone uh any other players or do you have another thought in them you look like you're about to say something yeah awesome again i i yeah like a jakeem grant comparison would just be selling him short because i think at memphis austin played predominantly outside and he was productive outside so mm -hmm. that just shows you how much of a technician he is and how much he can leverage his speed because five seven outside receiver like you really have to be a special talent to to succeed and especially i mean he's not going to be in that role at the next level there's just mm -hmm. way the nfl is too big and and too fast to him for to really succeed so he will be in the slot he will have to 
have manufactured touches to make a presence in an offense, but just in terms of intangibles, Austin is, is just a, a super attractive option that is probably going to go on, on day two alone just because of that. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, I'm putting you on the spot here. Calvin Austin, one team you would love to see him on go right off the top of your head. I mean, depending on what happens to Cordero Patterson, I think the Falcons could use him. Ooh. Let's see. I like that. I like trying, that. I'm trying to think of an AFC team that that could use him. Hmm. I haven't. I would. I love to see. I know. I don't know what the Chargers are going to do with like Mike Williams being a free agent. I know they love Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton's looked really, really good in limited action, but they don't have that type of dimension too. So you, you get like a Calvin Austin in that offense. That just adds a whole new layer. That would be. That could be really fun. Austin in LA. Wow. Yeah, I did. I did project Austin as a high fit for the Chargers when when I submitted my scouting report for uh, the, the the Chargers wire. And honestly, the Chargers wide receiver situation is interesting because when you think about projecting players that would fit in that offense, most people are projecting oh, like Drake London right. uh, uh, or Traylon Burks, like people that are good after the catch and can come down with those contested catch opportunities, much like Williams has done during his time there. But if Williams turns or if goes, I don't really think it matters because I think the chargers are looking for a player that is, is different than what he has been doing for them. I think they need speed. I think they need somebody that can separate and they need a slot man. And if Williams leaves, then I think Josh Palmer was serviceable in that role this season yeah. as a rookie and and could really take a step on the boundary as that X mm-hmm. receiver. So yeah, I mean Austin, I think would be a, would be a great fit for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Me and Brantley Weissman, one of my colleagues at TDN, had a good conversation about Josh Palmer, and like I, I got to watch him uh, play against my Gators for a couple years too. So I would be really intrigued to see what happens there, especially with Palmer. Uh, any other final Senior Bowl thoughts before we ro- move on to the other bowl that's happening that no one seems to really care about anymore? <laughs> you mean the the Shrine Bowl? Uh, a bunch of no. <laughs> players are, are in that uh in that event. So and they've been making waves. I know Chase Lucas has impressed with his like his leadership. And I mean, we'll we'll get into it. I I, I I'm not gonna spoil too much. Um, I would say Valus Jones Jr. is also another another speed guy that I was writing up um today. Like he does a really good job firing his burners off the line. Uh, good control of his throttle. Um, she really shows an, a good, keen understanding how to deceive, like with his entire body, head fakes, um, you know, showing deception in, in his in his hips and lower body. I think that's what he's he's really good at um, before he like slashes toward his final destination, like getting the cornerback going one way and then going the opposite. So Bayless Jones, Jr. of Tennessee, I think another name to keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. For the record, by the way, when I was talking about the irrelevant bowl game, obviously not talking about the Shrine Bowl. I was talking about the Pro Bowl, which oh, is yeah, this yeah. weekend. Yeah, that, that would have been awkward. No, I, I've been seeing a lot of good stuff from the Shrine Bowl, especially for him, too. Uh, but for this Pro Bowl, I don't want to spend too much time on this because, like, again, the Senior Bowl is way cooler, even the Shrine Bowl, too. Um, do you have any ideas or thoughts on, like, what the Pro Bowl should be or do? I don't know if you saw they're implementing the spot and shoes rule, which is basically there's no more kickoffs. So you flip the oh, visiting team calls a head or tails coin. 
And if they get it, they have the option to do the spot or the choose. So spot comes before choose spot. The one team chooses the spot and the hash of the ball. The other team chooses whether they want the ball at that spot or they want to defend at that spot. And then at halftime, it switches. So the team that picked spot or choose first gets to do it the other way. Does that, does that make sense? Did mm-hmm. I explain yeah. that? Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's what they're doing. I think with the idea that they can hopefully implement that into overtime rules and honestly, just get rid of kickoffs, which is like, okay, that's a, that's a big step forward there, Roger. I don't know how that will go over, but certainly fun. I mean, I don't know if I'll be watching the pro bowl, but if I am, I wouldn't mind checking it out. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts or ideas from the pro bowl. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I enjoy the events around the pro bowl more than the actual pro bowl itself. So, I mean, I I like the NFL kind of adopting the NBA approach of having other events like three point shooting contests and, and dunk contests. And honestly to have like a one handed catch competition between the, the wide receivers would be, I think, incredible to watch. Um, yeah, just more, just more of those events that really garnered attention outside of the actual game, I think, is what the NFL uh, should invest in. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it, it really makes you think, well, okay, you have all these other games and things going on. And I, I don't know if you, but I've been seeing highlights all week of like old dodgeball games. Cause I love, I think when they play the dodgeball, it's more compelling yeah. than when they play the actual game, you know? And like the old skills competitions. I saw a video of Carson Palmer doing one and he just completely ate it. And like he just fell and all the other quarterbacks were laughing like Joey Harrington. Cause he had like one good season. I digress. <laughs> um, but I think the one thing the pro bowl, could actually do or the NFL could actually do to make the Pro Bowl better is make it the week after the Super Bowl again, but keep the two week distance between the Super Bowl because that way you could focus more on like the Senior Bowl and Shrine Bowl. So you have a little more coverage on those on those insanely important all-star events for collegiate athletes and prospective NFL draft players. Uh, but then you have the Super Bowl and then it's like, oh, there's no more football. Oh, wait, not so fast, my friend. We have the Pro Bowl here. So not only could players in the Super Bowl play if they so choose, not sure if they would, but the bigger point is, one, I think there'd be a little more of a ratings uptick, which the NFL would like. More people would want to watch because it's more football. And then, two, you may have players caring a bit more because, look, it's – yeah, it's eating one week into their offseason, but it's also – you're going to Vegas. You got you got nothing to really be healthier for. I just I think more so I would like it from an entertainment perspective, pushing it back and opening up coverage for the senior bowl. Not really sure how that influences the game, just something I thought about that I think would be a, a big win for the senior bowl and the players to actually play in the Pro Bowl and potentially Super Bowl to the Pro Bowl. So that's kind of my rant. I, I was hoping I could come up with like a sarcastic ball themed like alternative like oh make them just like play flag football on a beach like the old direct tv celebrity beach bowl days i don't know if you you know what that is you know what that is no i don't oh man they used to do it every uh i think saturday before the super bowl direct tv would get a bunch of celebrities to play flag football on a beach <laughs> like an indoor beach. It was an artificial beach with like a tent and stuff. And I remember watching that and thinking, oh man, that looks 
amazing. Uh, but I don't really have any other cool, wacky alternatives. I'm sure. Well, what about this? How about the players take over play calling duties and the oh. coaches are out in the field? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, who uh, w- would that be like? Imagine Andy Reid at fullback on on fullback dive. <laughs> Andy Reid at fullback. You're looking at the pass punt kick champion <laughs> and the most overused highlight in Monday Night Football history of Andy Reid doing that. I'd want him at my quarterback, baby. Come on, you can't you can't tackle Andy Reid. Although Mike Vrabel definitely could. Mike Vrabel definitely could. I love the idea of the players calling plays like officially rather than just like hey run this um it also kind of goes back to that debate of oh like which coaches would like win in a fight or something or you know that'd be fun any any other ideas you have for it not off the top of my head that's that's one that that came to me though yeah it's just always fun to speculate a little bit more about the pro bowl because it's all about just having fun uh something that has not been fun has really i guess depends on who you're asking about i see you nodding your head neither of us are washington football team fans but Washington Commanders fans have been up in arms about everything. Everything from the logo to the team name to the the, the weird but like cool uniforms. I don't really know how to describe them. Like I like them, but like I should rightfully like so. Them. It's a big decision for the team. Yeah. So like what 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 are your immediate thoughts on this whole new look again for the Washington organization? All right. Well, let's start with the name, Commanders. Definitely lower on the list for mm-hmm. me of potential mm-hmm. candidates. And, but it's not terrible, right? Commanders is, is serviceable. I don't think it's, it's really as unique to Washington as like the Armada would have been. I, I was a big fan of Armada. That sounds lethal, menacing, uh, unified. Cause when you think of Armada, you think of when you look out onto the sea and there's a bunch of ships pointed your way and the sea isn't blue anymore. It's, it's a mixture of black and brown. And you're just like, Oh, well, you know, we're, we're getting invaded. That, that sounds like, <laughs> like Washington. Right. Um, so I, I think they could have done a little bit better on the name, but commanders is something that I can use to, and will be embedded in the NFL. And I don't think it'll take too long for commanders to get, you know, integrated mm-hmm. into, you know, the NFL names right? right but it is really going to be interesting when on night and it's like on the clock Washington commanders somebody saying that for the first time in in that uh like the first commander's draft pick is really going to be historic so again we mostly good wi-fi throughout the entire time a little choppy there but again the general gist of it was you're saying like you also cannot wait for Roger Goodell to say the first pick for the Washington commanders. That'll be cool. Right. That's what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Basically that that's the gist of it. I think, you know, commanders is, is a great first step for this new era of this, of this organization. Oh my God. Can you imagine if they had actually gone with like the presidents, like the Washington presidents? Ugh. Yeah. That would have just been lame. Terrible. Terrible. I, I had a couple people in my TikTok section saying they should have gone presidents. And I'm like, haha, no, they shouldn't have. Thank you very much. Um, my one quip about the name is that it's long. And I've beaded this drum for quite some time now. And now that it's like actually here and people are starting to realize what they're gonna shorten it to, like they're they're gonna yeah. be called they're gonna be called the commies. People are calling them the commies. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah, 
uh, offensive. I've been very coy about tweeting it or saying it like on my TikToks. So like, hopefully that's not because that is what people will call them. Just imagine. And I've said this joke maybe like three times now or 300 times now definitely more than three that's for sure uh when the commies play the patriots call it the cold war bowl maybe call their defense (laughs) the red scare if it becomes good which is actually really sick but also a really weird definition for a football team when you know what it actually is um uniforms though i love the matte helmets the the burgundy Mm -hmm. helmets oh my god those are great teams just consistently get the helmets right yeah. consistently get the helmets right slept on is the black helmet not just be not because i'm not a fan of like the w on the front or i don't know why i put my i put my fingers up to my forehead to show a <laughs> w i don't know why i did that this is an audio medium uh, but you can you the listener can imagine me just sticking a w up to my forehead right now um but the fact that that is officially the first alternative helmet since the new uh one helmet rule was you know thrown aside so cool that we're finally getting those type of helmets obviously expecting creamsicles for the bucks kelly green for the eagles all those fun things um i like the burgundy uniforms i find it kind of weird how they're really stuck to the two lines over the word commanders especially this is slept on because nobody's really gotten a good look of the back of the washington uniform the burgundy ones their name is sandwiched between the two lines too. So like it says like top them on the back and then it's like two lines, like a line above it and a line yeah. below it, which I yeah. think looks really weird. It's just kind like of like the, the stitching Rams. of it. Huh? Like the stitching of it? No, no. Like, you know how like, it's like a legitimate line, like a graphic, like you, you can even Google it right now too. It's, you know how like they released it saying Washington commanders and there's like two yellow lines mm-hmm. and like with commander's sandwich that's on the back of the jersey like where the huh. player's name goes yeah that that is interesting and i also see the like the patch is on the neck as well of the jersey so yeah man a lot, a lot of interesting design choices i would say i like mm-hmm. aside from that i i like how, how like simple it is like you really just the players bathed in like that rich burgundy you've got the mm-hmm. simple white and and yellow stripes on the side yep. so i i like that a lot about it at least from the traditional look and like you said like these helmets that have that have gotten churned out over the past few years like the rams i thought did a really good job with, yeah. with their new helmet and especially this one we haven't even talked about the logo the logo is really clean i saw some people think that say that they didn't like the new logo i think it's it's dynamic you can clearly tell it's it's a w um, and it's modern. And I think th- like, sure, old school logos are, are fine, but it's a modern age and it really reflects the the steps Washington is taking. Yeah, I'm totally fine with the logo. We could do a whole episode on just a Washington themed uniform breakdown they got some weird design choices in there you said interesting i'll take it a step further say weird like some, <laughs> okay sometimes like the rams and washington need to realize that, like you have a good base set you got a good color scheme going on i just realized i am wearing a burgundy t-shirt and i didn't even mean to um <laughs> that worked out yeah if, if only they just realized that sometimes less means more you don't need the weird patch like right over like the, the right chest plate you, you don't need the the layered like number like just have like a normal number 
design, especially on the white. Yeah, that's ones. what plagued the Bucks before they rebranded. Right, exactly. Just weird numbers. Just doing too much, man. Just keep it simple. Um, I saw a lot of Washington fans complaining too that the white uniforms. It's not even like burgundy. That's like straight red. Like it's straight maroon. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now, and you've got the numbers. There's like some sort of speckle inside of it too, Ugh. and it just kind of looks like it's weird. It, it looks really good when you zoom in on the jersey, but on broadcast, it's going to look messy. It's like Oregon's uniforms, the duck shell, spray paint sort of speckle uniforms. Mm. Those looked great in photo shoots and when they were on the players, uh, when they're around the city, taking those those flicks and, and hyping up for the for the equipment staff videos and, and their reveals. But on field, they just look dirty. And they didn't really look all that eye popping, and they, they quickly just it became a, a uniform that I think that they're going to replace in the future. And I see this white uniform as one that's going to get, that's not going to look good on on TV and and get replaced. Right. I could see Washington doing what the Rams did. Um, they introduced, the they did those ugly bone colored uniforms, and they essentially got replaced with like these quote white throwbacks quote i could see washington kind of retconning their current white uniform with a quote throwback unquote and just kind of rolling with that and with that that was now i mean it's always fun but I, i had a lot of fun on today's show especially with the senior bowl stuff and getting really into uniforms you know how much i fanboy over uh football uniforms so again to talk about all this ahead of our super bowl preview show next week we'll be talking about everything from the gatorade colors to our actual game predictions i am so excited i am so excited it sucks that football will end maybe they should move the pro bowl back to after the super bowl give us a little uh little encore you know maybe um but until then my man I- i'm excited great show as always with you any, any final words before we send it on out yeah no i mean I'm, I'm glad we're finding ways to stay creative and i'm sorry my my internet was not up to par this time around <laughs> but i feel like we had some productive discussions and I'm, I'm always glad to break down uniforms. I remember uh, we should talk about the Bengals ice concepts next time, oh. the ice helmets, because I see that like at least once per day on Twitter and it's always popping up in my, on my Instagram explore page. Like those are just so clean. And like you said, we have an alternate helmet look for the first time from the commanders. The Bengals should just give the people what they want. Yep. Oh my goodness! A white helmet. I saw. I think I saw the same post you saw it's so today. Clean, it's man. so good. Please, Cincinnati. Please, you win the Super Bowl. You better just like. Oh, and one more thing. Bum bum bum. It's a white helmet. Look at that. Bam. They got to do that. Oh my goodness. Well, my friend. Great job as always with you. Stay safe and mobile. Enjoy it. I am extremely jealous that you get to be there. And I am still here in Gainesville, Florida, home of Damian Pierce, who I hear has been dominating senior. Number two back behind Rashad. Number two. Agree to disagree. I think Pierce is number one, but we'll save that conversation (laughs) for another time. Thank you for listening to the breakout football podcast. As always, if you have questions or anything about the show to tell or ask us reach out to us on all social media platforms he's at ham analysis i am at zach cohen fb z-a-c-h-c-o-h-e-n-f-b gotta hit him with a spell every now and then thank you for listening as always to the breakout football podcast on the believe podcast network sponsored by link me cole kick him out
appreciate it, everybody, and catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.